Well, 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 my fellow Suns fans, welcome to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. My name is John. We appreciate you stopping and hanging in with us. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Suns Jam. You can subscribe on YouTube and you can eight and dunk that like button. I wish the eight would dunk a few in the game and, uh, you know, but hit that like button. If you're watching this on YouTube, we really appreciate it. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm going to add in my good partner, Matthew. What's up, dude? Um, How are you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling all right, man. I mean, you can't win all of them, right? Well, if the Suns would have went we, 2-0, we, that would have been a perfect perfect start to the season, but it's not going to happen. No, <laughs> it, it, it appears we will not be going 72-0 this season after the Suns lost to the Kings in Sacramento 106-103 to on a Saturday night in December. So it is unfortunate to lose to a team like the Kings because those are the teams that you're supposed to beat, man. They are, but dude, honestly, the Kings, they are, I'm not saying it because they just won and they beat the Suns, but they do have a good roster. We talked about Bagley. We talked about Fox. Like, they're not going to be a team that we can just roll over and just not roll over, but just can roll over them and just get the win easily. It's not going to happen that way, and we found out the hard way. It's just not in another back-to-back. It's playing tomorrow against the same team, and we lost a lot of energy. Booker gave a lot of energy. This whole team looked exhausted by the end of the game, so... I don't even know who we're going to play if Sarge is going to be back. Jalen Sticks, is he is he going to be there? Because he didn't play today, so he must be playing like 30 minutes tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes, dude. But very disappointing. I didn't like a lot of the body language from Devin Booker tonight. It was very, very disheartening. He's not a leader like you always say. And that's why we have Chris Paul. So hopefully they can just pull together for tomorrow night and just come out 2-1. and one. Yeah, there's a, a lot of things we need to dissect after that loss to the Kings. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate because I haven't I didn't even get a chance to to wish you a very Merry Christmas and and oh, yeah. everything that you ever dreamed of. Uh did you, Matthew? Nice new no, hat. I did not. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, new hat. I'm sorry. That was so rude. Happy holidays, John. <laughs> we had a great week, right? Great uh, weekend with the holidays. Uh, until until this sun's but you know what? It, it ain't over. There, there's a lot to dissect in what you said. We'll bring all that up here momentarily. A reminder for everybody who is joining us to subscribe uh, on YouTube. Uh, and you can subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening to this via the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network for all your favorite Phoenix Suns content. Uh, if you're watching in the chat, you know, if you want to be on the show, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at Suns Jam. Throw us a DM and let us know if you want to ask us a question or if you want to give your thoughts on tonight's game, and we'll see if we can get some, a couple of our fantastic Jamster listeners on the show tonight to do that. So a lot to dissect, like I said, for like 17 times. Uh, I'm going to open up this beer because uh, we got to talk about this son's loss, man. So <sighs> beer's cracked. Let's drop the beat, man. So yeah, the the Suns lose their first game of the season, losing to the Sacramento Kings in the first game of a back-to-back on Saturday night. And I think it's safe to say that we are all as, you know, Suns Nation, we, we know this team isn't going to go 72 and 0. But if you're going to be a team with playoff aspirations, teams like the Sacramento Kings are teams that you expect to beat. You have to take care of business against the crappy teams knowing, especially in a 72-game season, that there's not a lot of room for error, and the Suns errored tonight. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that we all can see that the team is still not in sync at all. I mean, Aiton looks really, really lost the whole game. Most of the game, he looks lost until he gets that dunk to come in the second half. But besides that, you just don't know what to expect from him on offense at all. Defensively, I don't even know if he can jump when there's people around him. Um, there is just an issue, too. I brought up earlier just with Devin Booker's body language. He looks very upset. Um, he doesn't really even acknowledge DA on the court. He doesn't look at him as if he exists on the court after plays, giving high fives. He's never been that kind of guy. So I don't know if that's a really an issue for us to worry about. It's just his body language on the court. That's a big thing for me. The body language is huge. And I think that's why we signed Chris Paul because he's an absolute leader and we needed him for this team. But we relied on Book too much too. Um, I think that this wasn't really any offense. No one really got hot in this game. I thought maybe Cam Johnson might have been that guy, but he ended up not being that guy. Um, but we can talk trash about DA, whatever. I mean, it's going to happen off and on. But I mean, what do you think, dude? What, do you, what are your well, initial thoughts on this well, game? Initial thoughts, the Suns... Uh, just came out cold, man. I mean, they were down 11 nothing before. But while we were still setting and settling into our seats and getting excited for the fact that the Suns were playing a game on Saturday night, I, I was like, whoa, we're, we're already down 11 nothing." And then you talk about Booker, and, and he kind of, you know, I felt showed a little maturity in the first half because he's the one who kind of took control. You know, it was 11 nothing when we took that, or it was 15-2 when the Suns took the first time out yeah. of the game. And, and they felt frantic. They were all over the place. It looks like they had a couple design sets that just didn't work because they didn't have the hustle that the Kings had. And after that timeout, Booker comes out and has four quick points, two quick assists. And I really felt, I'm like, okay, this is the advantage of Devin Booker. He ends that first quarter with 11 of the Suns' 25 points. And it's the second game in a row where he had 11 points in the first quarter. So you're like, okay, we're going to get a nice Devin Booker game here. This is all primed for D-Book to be... Uh, the all-star of this game. And what killed him again? He had seven turnovers this game, dude. After eight in game one, yeah. Booker comes out and leads the team again with seven turnovers. The team had a total, I think, they had 11 turnovers. Booker had seven of them. And it's 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 frustrating to see a lack of energy, a lack of passion. To your point, you know, Booker's not getting in DA's face. He never really has been that kind of leader. I think he relies on Chris Paul to do it because there was a play where Chris Paul gave the ball to DA and he was going up and he got fouled. And he, you know, you could tell he was going for the layup finger roll instead of trying to jam it home. And you saw CP3 he was like, dude, fucking jam that shit home. Yeah. And that's, you have to constantly be like coaxing DA and coaxing DA. And again, you know, it's a reminder to everyone, you know, this is, we're, we're very early in the season and there's a lot of, you know, without training camp and without, a, you know, with only four preseason games, there's a lot of opportunity for this team to grow together. I feel like they relied way too much on the outside shot and didn't force the issue on the inside. And the Kings beat us because they just they didn't shoot threes. They own the paint and they got to the line. And that's literally the story of this game. Well, the the positioning really from DA underneath, it seemed like every time he'd get the ball, if he did get the ball, it was very, um, like he had a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic when he would touch the ball, which is really weird because that's where he would get his fouls in the first game is he would throw his bows and like he would knock someone over. That's a foul. So that's an issue there, but also just not even be able to get him the ball. That's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand what the difference is between the preseason and now to where we can't get the pick and roll going. I think there was one pick and roll to where he was wide open for the dunk, which was fine. But the that thing was I was it. talking about, yeah, that was it. But the thing I was talking about with Booker is 
I, I don't want him to coach DA. It's fine. But like, even after CP three went up to Booker or went up to DA and he was like, Hey, dunk the ball. It, but he gave him a high five after a little bit of support, something like that. I think DA really needs that consistently. He's not going to be a guy to where he's going to be on his own independent on the floor where you see Booker, who's very, very distant from everybody else in the court playing his own, his own game, turning the ball over seven times, Mr. Un, unholy or the, the holiest guy on the court, like does not make a mistake. Devin Booker, it's just, is this something I'm just too upset about to see that from Devin Booker? It's just, it's just weird to me. I like, he expects to win already every game. He just seems so frustrated all game. And it was still a close game in the end. Like, what is that we're seeing from him? It's, it's something that you don't want to see. Uh, but uh, here, here's the other thing though, Matthew, in all honesty, it's really hard to do a, a podcast live right after a game and a game like this is so frustrating because we just get so pissed, <laughs> you know, it's, we're overreacting. Yeah. Booker really did have a good game, you know, outside the seven turnovers, you know, 10 for 21 and 26 total points, three for seven from downtown. And I think that was key. What killed this team was that three point shooting, you know, as a team, they shot 11 for 44, 25% from deep 11 for 44. If you go down the box score and you look at the three pointers, okay. Crowder mm-hmm. three for eight bridges, one for five, Paul, two for six Booker. Like I said, three for seven. And then you get to that bench, you know, you got six zero for one Kaminsky. zero for one cam Johnson, two for eight uh, campaign. zero for one Langston Galloway. zero for two Javon Carter. zero for five. So although we might be critical of Devin Booker because we expect a lot from him and we don't want to see those turnovers happen as the game goes on, goes on, especially in those last minutes where he's just, you know, he's throwing those lead passes to Mikhail Bridges and the guy with the longest arms in the league is dying out of bounds to go and get him. It, it's time to really stop and take a look at that bench tonight. The, the thing that won that game when we played a bad shitty game against the Mavs and the bench won it for us, the bench kind of lost it for us on this game, you know, a total of, uh, what 16, 20 points came from the bench this game where 41 came in the, in the win against the Mavs. And that's part of that story as well. You know, I, I can sit there and I can harp on, on Devin Booker, but he had to carry a, a bulk of the load because no one else could score points tonight. Jay Crowder had a nice night with 17. Chris Paul had 22 and 12, an amazing game for CP three, which I know we'll get into here in a little bit, but I'm not going to overanalyze everything that D that uh, Devin Booker didn't do. I'm going to look at the rest of his team and be like, you know what? He's got other guys on the team. They need to step up and help him, man. Yeah, but I'm not talking about things like his turnovers and stuff on the stat sheet. I'm just talking about his body. Yeah, language you're talking body court. language. Well, he's pissed off the whole he has team. To carry the whole team. Well, it's not going to happen every game where someone's going to come in and be and be on fire. Like he he can score more than 26 points if he has to just win a game. The last shot that he took to try to get him back in the game when they're down by four, I think it was 104 to 100, and he came in and took like a last second shot. Like I don't that's know if that's a play that played up. Like that's crazy. Like stuff like that is like what's cost you the game. And you just have to be smarter. Um, but yeah, DA, I think someone brought it up in the comments earlier. It's just he's trying to impress. Um, and it, it looks like that. He's trying to impress Devin Booker and CP3. And that's why I always say, like, I feel like De- Devin Booker has to be there for him to give him the high fives. To be like, hey, like, come on. Like, we just don't see it. Maybe it's behind the scenes. I doubt it is, but we just don't see it on the court to where he's very supportive of DA, even if he gets zero points in the first half, which a lot of it is DA's fault, 
but you can just see da is like the smaller brother like the child of the group that they need to help take care of um, i'm not saying that's a positive it needs to happen i'm just saying that's what i'm seeing on the court and i think it needs to be done for him to be more successful well they, they need him to be the enforcer and he's not enforcing he's trying to impress big brothers uh, i like what aunt b said in the chat he said book is frustrated because he sees there's a franchise center with zero points mithrid through the third quarter you know and there, there's a lot of truth to that you know i mean yeah deandre ayton had a didn't have a good game let's put it that way and i didn't think he had a great game against the mavericks in the first game uh he really came through in the fourth in this game with his rebounding because prior to the fourth he did not have a nice looking box score he ended with a total of nine points and 12 boards a lot of those came in the fourth uh but he was getting you know just owned on the glass he's not physical enough man i mean we've said it before We'll say it again. You know, he's more of a finesse center than a physical center. But like when you got Rashawn Holmes out there, who's just going to out hustle you when you have Hassan Whiteside, who's going to out physical you like you, you got to stand your ground. And it's something we saw in the preseason where he was coming out and he was throwing some elbows into Rudy Gobert. And I'm like, OK, maybe this kid's going to get a little bit of uh, get get aggressive. And he's just he continually is just not showcasing that aggressiveness, whether it be rebounding or uh, on, especially on the offensive boards or taking the ball strong to the rim. And that's a big part of what this offense is supposed to be. I mean, like we said earlier, I've yet to see uh, a consistent pick and roll with him and CP three that is successful. And I, I, I was watching it, you know, over and over cause they kept trying to set those high screens and, and DA's just kind of lazy coming off those screens, man. Like yeah. if he pops the screen and runs, like he'll be open and CP three will find him, but he kind of pops it and then he turns around. And he's just like, uh, and then he rolls. Like he, you, you can see him thinking and, and it hurts me when I see him thinking. Yeah, it's a lot of standing around, but it's hard to watch a guy like me criticize somebody when I got a mustache like this, if you can see it. Is there a mustache? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, what am I doing? You know, I can't even grow a, a full man's mustache. But honestly, um, there's a lot of standing around still from him. And I think when he gets in a crowd, too, it's really hard for him to go above the crowd and get the ball. I just feel like that's something that should be natural. But then here we are again, just saying this is the way he should be. And maybe we're taking things away from his game to make him more physical. Maybe he's just a finesse center, like James Jones said in the beginning of two or a year ago, where he's just like, this is DA. We may just have to accept it this is who he is and maybe that's the way he's gonna be if we're gonna force him to be more physical he's gonna foul out he's gonna yeah. do things he's not used to it's gonna take him a year to really turn around his game i mean it takes people a lifetime to really change the way they are and to be a better more successful person for us to ask him to do this within a year i think it might just be too much to ask that's what it might be so we'll see though i mean tomorrow night he's already probably exhausted so i don't know what we're gonna get from him it's unfortunate though. That's what's you know sucks. Yeah. It, it, it's unfortunate. You want to go into Sacramento knowing that it's a team that you should be and come out and beat them that first game, because then you could do a bench game next game and go. You know what? We left. You know we're two and one leaving Sacktown as we come back home and get ready to play the Pelicans, <laughs> who are looking pretty good. So uh, that yes. that didn't happen. That didn't play in our favor. You know, and and what's unfortunate also is this is the first of five games in seven nights. So. You know, if, if you're a fan of the Suns Jam Session podcast, get used to these faces because we'll be coming to you live after every game. Once that game ends, we'll be right here. You can con come on. We'll we'll hang out with you. We'll talk uh, about all the glories that the Suns are having and all the frustrations that we're navigating as well because, uh, you know, you're not going to win every game. But, again, the Suns playing the Kings, losing by three points – is something that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen, and it did. They came out. They had more hustle, uh, but the, but there were a lot of positives to take away from the game as well. You know, again, this is the, the Suns hit a couple of those forty-four threes that they took. You know, if they if they hit thirteen out of forty-four instead of eleven out of forty-four, they win this game. And you know, it the 
the ceiling for this team, we don't know yet, but the floor is pretty high, in my opinion, still. Because we're not playing good basketball, and we're still competing. And that's something you got to look at that's a positive. Right, Matthew? Try to pay yeah. positive holiday season. <laughs> yeah, I'll try, I'll try to, man. I'll try my best. But honestly, I think that uh, the Suns do a good job of maybe um, they can do a better job of really finding out where they need to be on the offensive glass. And I feel like uh, Mikhail Bridges is, is always in a place where DA is. Uh, there's a lot of running around into each other still uh, offensively and defensively. But besides that, I mean, they have a lot to catch up on and start working on, dude. Uh, for sure, for sure. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at the chat. I know. Th- thank you to everyone who's joining us live right now. Uh, we appreciate it. There's a lot of great conversation. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's great conversation, but it's true conversation. So let's let's see here. Uh, where should we start? Okay, we'll start with uh, Jesselworth. Lazy, lack of energy, lack of focus. That's how this game felt for right off the bat. Again, going yeah. down eleven nothing, being down fifteen two fighting back, putting a lot of energy to to tie the Kings. I mean, and then just to lose it. I mean, it was just that lack of energy and that lack of focus. And it, it if this was tomorrow, I would completely understand it with the, the, the missed threes because it didn't look like a lot of these guys had their legs. And you have to, again, remember, this is game six, if you include the four preseason games that occurred. So, I mean, there's a lot of getting your legs back under you, but – the the legs seem to be just fine for the Kings and not for the Suns. Yeah, the Kings did have some trouble, but they just hung in there. They took out the 11-0 lead. The one thing that I always criticized Monty last year was his timeout, his calling the timeouts. Like he yeah. has a hard time when a team is going on a run. I always think like if a team makes three shots in a row, timeout. Right after the third shot, just call the timeout. But letting it go to eleven nothing, I know it's the first quarter. But you saw what happened as soon as he called the timeout. The Suns came back in, like they were right back at it. They cut that lead down to almost two, and then by the first quarter, I mean they were down. They were down by six, but mm-hmm. but going into the second quarter, they pulled it within two. I mean, I just think that that really helped that timeout. You have to call that way earlier than he did. I just I hate seeing that stuff, dude. And it was fifteen to two Kings before Monty finally calls a timeout. So it was fifteen to two before he called the timeout. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was that's pretty bad. I I think. Yeah, you got to kill that momentum a little bit. And Monty had a problem with that a lot last year. I know we talked about that a bunch on the pod last year about how he just couldn't kill that momentum. He'd wait for like the fourth or fifth shot to go down in a row, and then he'd be like, "Okay, let, let's <laughs> okay, call that's it." Enough. And what <laughs> happened right out of that timeout? Booker came out to quick field goals, a couple quick assists, and the Suns are right back in the game. And it goes to show you, yeah, sometimes a team will come out, especially the Kings who are at home. They're excited. You got a couple, you know, Rashawn Holmes is playing his old old team. You got Tyrese Halliburton, who I doubt he has any sort of uh, animosity towards the Suns, but maybe he's like, hey, they should have picked me. You know, so, I mean, you just have a bunch of guys on that team who are ready to go. They're they're young, they're athletic, and they're ready to play. And they come out and they punch you in the face. And you know what? Take a time out a little bit earlier, Monty, and maybe you have an opportunity to absorb that and then get that team kind of back on track. So uh, I, I knew once he called that timeout 15 2, I wrote in my notes because I knew you would bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to, dude. And there's some teams you watch where a team will go up 2 nothing to start the game and the coaches don't like what they see and they'll call the timeout right away. It just, there has to be something you need to see in your team to call that timeout and stop that from happening. I mean, runs do happen, but not like that. You just got to stop it. All right. Blaze Megatron in the chat. CP three dropped 23 and 12. Good game from him. Uh, yeah. 22 and 12 was his actual end stat line with five rebounds um, and zero turnovers for CP three. 
Okay. Beautiful, That's beautiful. Uh, great game for CP3. It was really fun to watch him navigate the inside of uh, the elbow. I mean, taking those elbow shots, getting his team open, giving them opportunities to take a lot of wide open shots. It was impressive to see him operate today. It's just unfortunate. I mean, he could have had potentially like 17 assists if the Suns could just knock down some shots. Yeah, he was finding everybody. He also could have had six more points with those two buzzer beaters he hit yeah. that were called off. Like within a split second, he was off. But there was he drilled those, and we're used to not making those, and other teams are making them on us. So maybe that's something of uh, he needs to work on. You know, get those threes off a little bit quicker. But he he played a beautiful game tonight. I was really impressed. I think this is the CP3 we're going to see down the line tomorrow night. I feel like the question is, will he be back? I think he will be back and starting. I don't think he's going to take really days off. I mean, he still needs to get his legs underneath him mm-hmm. and get this offensive sink. Yeah, I don't think he could take days off until his offense is kind of rolling more than what we've seen in the first two games. What I really liked about CP3 was the shit talking he was doing throughout the game. Beautiful. There was. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was on the free throw line and CP3 and Booker were chirping at him the whole time. And then both Fox and Booker got a technical, which is like an annual tradition now. Like every time Dem Booker's in a game, he's just going to get a technical. Like that just happens now. Okay. I swear he gets a tech again, but it was because CP3 started jawing at him a little bit. And then uh, I don't know if you saw it, but like as he was getting ready to shoot it, he, you know, they had that kind of three-quarter camera shot on Fox Sports Arizona, and CP3 is talking during his 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 shot. He makes the shot, and then a little bit later in the game, in fact, when CP3 went to the line and he missed one of two, uh, which would have put us within three at the end of the game. After he missed his first one, they, you know, they show a close up of him. He's talking, he's chirping at the refs. He's like lane violation. That was a lane violation, right? Like lane, mm-hmm. you know. So he's always that mouth <laughs> is always going, that chirping's always going. I'm hoping that Dem Booker learns a proper way to approach the refs and and other guys on the court rather than ways that get him technicals because CP3 didn't get teed up today. And you also saw Jay Crowder and uh, Marvin Bagley were chirping at each other, and that kind of started with CP3 getting down in there and and. Uh, stirring some shit up so it's it's always nice to see that from one of your veteran guys a true tough guy not a guy like da who's just kind of soft tough uh, yeah i know you know it's going to be the conversation all year is the softness of them but he tried to be tough today and it just it doesn't work yet it's going to take some time yep so uh 33 minutes for cp3 uh my guess is he'll play tomorrow i don't know if we're going to expect a lot of minutes out of him you know tomorrow might be one of those days where you see tuan moore come in on those back-to-backs is where you're going to see a lot more length out of that yes. bench, and you're going to need it out of Langston Galloway and most likely Etuan Moore just to fill some minutes so CP3 gets a little bit of extra rest, knowing that they have that day off, and they come home, and then they play the Pelicans after that. Uh, a couple more things from the chat uh, from Raymond Gonzalez on Facebook. He said their bench outscored ours, and that's, uh, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that was a big key. The Suns ended up with 20 points from the bench. You look at the Kings bench, Bielitsa alone had 12 Glenn Robinson had eight. Whiteside had eight. Corey Joseph had three, and Halliburton had two. And they all, other than Joseph, all of them were plus on the plus-minus side. So they came in off the bench and they shot really well. And that was just what uh, uh, one of many things that killed us this evening. But one thing that stood out to me, and, and apparently to Raymond Gonzalez as well. Yeah, honestly, it's nice to have bodies, though, for the Suns to come off the bench. I mean, Jalen Smith, he played nothing, like four minutes. But Kaminsky was in there. He played a good three solid minutes. He missed a three. Uh, Cam Johnson, of course. Uh, Damian Jones, Cameron Payne, Javon Carter, Langston Galloway. It's like these are this is a different team to where we have all these guys that can go off one of these nights. But, of course, tonight was just one of those nights where no one can really get it going. I think Cam Johnson had a pretty good game, though, with just eight 
points. But there was a lot of times I saw Cam Johnson trying to take the ball to the rim and never really trying to finish the way he did the first game. Uh, he was a little hesitant. I don't know if he was in his way. But besides that, Langston Galloway, beautiful game before this game. Not too good, but this is what I'm talking about with Etwan Moore. Will will come in hopefully next game. He can maybe give us 20 minutes. If he can even score 10 points, that'd be fine. But it would be nice to see him. It would be good to see him on the court to see how he will blend in with the second team. I think right with Etwan in time, Moore. yeah, in time, yeah. I mean, a game like this, you needed something to click, and I don't know if you're going to throw everything against the wall. Javon Carter, though, his minutes were just tough. I mean, he put up some yes. really bad shots. He definitely came in without that playmaking mindset. He's coming in as that two guard. When Booker goes off the court, here comes Javon yeah. Carter. That's the way that they played it. That's what we saw. And he was chucking up some garbage up there tonight, man. So maybe tomorrow, Etwan Moore could take some of those Javon Carter. Minutes. Isn't that disappointing, though, for the yeah, Javon it is. Carter? You know, he he's back to where he was kind of last year, just chucking up those threes. And he, yeah. in the preseason, he was trying to find guys. He looked like he was trying to play make out there. And I have not seen that at all in the two games. Not at yeah. all. I completely agree. And it's something that will get righted, but you hope that uh, he gets more opportunity because there's this, like we said before the season began, man. I mean, this team is deep. And you were just yeah. mentioning it right there. This is a deep team. If you're not making shots, you might not make it. And he had the most misses over five. So you have uh, T M B O N A R, Tim Boner. Maybe that's what that is. That's what I, I was know. thinking, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the chat saying, no big man can rebound right now. At least Baines used to use the body. Damon Jones is like a leaf in the wind. Damon Jones, man, I'm having a hard time, dude. The guy's a walking foul. He can't grab a board. A couple alley-oops missed. I mean, he had a rough two games. The first two games for Damon Jones has not been promising, Matthew. Yeah, it makes you think about like um, players like Serge Ibaka, where he is just he looks like he has an age a day playing for the Clippers. Like he is a guy I feel like the Suns maybe could have got as a backup center and just didn't. Um, that was one guy I was looking at, but it's going to be hard to replace that role. Damian Jones has, he has maybe a few good glimpses, but besides that, his game, he's, he's just as lost as DA and their center position. Maybe it's just the position they need to figure out like where these guys need to be. But yeah, it's tough for him to go up against Whiteside. side. White side is him times two like he's just way bigger and he can just clog the lane and get those arms up and do whatever he wants to do against Damian Jones that's what he did yeah and it's it's funny how Whiteside had a nice game and I was sitting there I'm like this is like what Damian Jones should be is a, a shot blocker who can hit shots inside the paint and Whiteside was doing it Damian Jones wasn't and I Unfortunately, there's not a lot of depth behind Damon Jones. I mean, you have Kaminsky and then Sticks, who came in very briefly and looked pretty good. He had that one offensive board. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's just it's very thin at that position. So we're going to need Damon Jones to do something this year. Like, there's no doubt about yeah. it. You know, one of the things we talked about at the beginning of the season, which is, you know, only two games ago. So reminder, it's only two games into the season. But we talked about how we don't have a lot of playmaking depth. That depth at big is something that I was worried about in the preseason, and tonight it reared its ugly head against the Kings. You look at total rebounds for the teams, and the the Suns were out-rebounded by 16. 56-40, to 40, yeah. the Kings out-rebounded us. 15-10 to 10 on the offensive glass. That's 15 times they got a rebound and had another opportunity to have a possession. Points in the paint, 62 for the Kings. For only 46 for the Suns. 
So again, when DA's playing soft and having these games where he's in foul trouble, then you got Damon Jones. I mean, it's just like it's this snowball of shit that's rolling downhill <laughs> right at the Suns. Why well, would put it? it well, it, it's the exact yeah. it's what happens though, because then it's a I shitty know. game. Then the Suns are starting to rely on their outside game. And again, if those shots aren't falling, it, we lose to the Kings. You know, it's it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of it, Matthew. It is. And I think DA really needs to start playing Booker minutes. Like Booker played 38 tonight. That should be DA. And I know he has the foul trouble, but he really didn't like game one number one. I know he had five fouls going in when he came back into the fourth. But I just thought like he needs to be playing those 38 minutes. That's the only way for him to get in sync with Booker in this offense and Chris Paul. Chris Paul, of course, 33 minutes. That's probably his max. 30, 30, 33 to 35 minutes is probably a max for Chris Paul. Tomorrow night, probably won't even get 30. Who knows if the Suns could maybe start knocking down some threes. But that's the thing, too. Knocking down those those three-pointers when you're wide open. Like The Suns had a lot of wide-open shots, especially that bench, and they just would not go down. And like I think we already mentioned that, but seriously, like that's the one thing that just was the difference at the this game you have uh carlos miramon in the chat he says why don't they get eight and shot attempts early you have to get the big guy going get him involved in the game that's kind of echoing your point right there matthew what, do you, what are your thoughts on that i don't know how you get him going that's what i'm so confused with it's like this is the same stuff last year where it's like give him the ball give him the ball and then he gets the ball and then sometimes the passes are too slow. They get they take too long to get to him. He gets double teamed. It's it's knocked out of there. They pass it perfectly. He brings the ball down. It gets swatted out. He gets the ball, posts up against somebody, does a turnaround. I didn't even see a turnaround in this game or anything like that. But when he gets the ball, there's a camera angle where it's like floor, it's like floor level, like the player level. And I love that. And yeah. I kept seeing DA get the ball up against Bagley down low. He would just pass it out right away. No moves, yeah. no nothing. So he has the opportunity, I think. I just I don't know if he does or I don't know if he doesn't. I am very confused about what DeAndre Ayton's trying to do and what they're trying to do with him. I don't you, well if you look at like the first play of the game, they instantly tried to get him involved. That was like the first thing they did. They won the tip, CP3, and I think they threw like an alley oop up to him, and it was just a good defensive play by maybe Rashawn Holmes. I forget who it was on that first play. So it looks like they're trying to get him involved early, but unfortunately, to your point, his technical skills just aren't adequate enough to be able to score in the ways in which the ball is provided to him. If he gets the ball up high, he he waits for it to come to his hands right here. It's like it's like a wide receiver, okay? A wide yeah. receiver needs to get, go get the ball. Don't let don't catch it in your body. Go out and get the ball. I love this camera, this fisheye camera. It's like, you know, for those of you watch on YouTube, you can see it. Go get the ball. And so what he does is he, he, he waits for the ball to get here, and that allows the defender to get right here and, yeah. and disrupt it, whether it hits it away from him or disrupt his hands or do something. If And then if, it's, if it gets down low, I mean, you look at one of the design plays at the end of the game, Booker goes down the lane, passes it to DA, and just bounces off his hands. And the first thing that goes through my head, Alex Len. It's my number one issue I had with Alex Len. He had hands, like brick hands. You couldn't throw him anything. You just couldn't catch it. And DA, again, somebody who I feel has really good hands, hasn't shown that those hands as of late. And I don't know if, again, he's overthinking it, if he's already like kind of taking his eyes off the ball to look up to think about what he's doing. He needs to slow that game down for him. And this will happen, Suns fans. This will happen with CP3, with Booker, with the playmakers on this team, with the design of the offense. Aiton's going to have good games. Okay, He went 9-12 and 12 tonight. <laughs> that's your number one pick from two years ago going nine and 12, but he, he still was a productive player in that fourth quarter when we need him to be. The problem is to, you know, to Carlos's question, why is he not getting involved early? I, I don't know. I don't know why they're not just trying to get him cooking, knowing that CP three as what we've seen is has the ability 
self-cook whenever he wants, as does Devin Booker. Focus on the big guy. Maybe he can get the, uh, the opposition in foul troubles, and then we are no longer letting them dictate pace. They're not imposing their will. We're imposing our will. I feel like in the first two games, that's really been a problem with the Suns. Is we're not imposing our will on teams. We're letting them do the same, and we're, we're having to play catch-up because of it. Yeah, just one more thing for me on DA is I don't know what his game is, though. If you give him the ball down low, that should be it. It should be game over. If he has the ball within the paint, I mean, make a move, do something. But we don't know what to expect from him. I mean, he's got the ball, but you don't know what to expect. If Eddie Johnson, if you listen to the game closely, if he's coaching DA still on what he should do in certain spots on year three, that's just, I think that's bad. You don't hear it from a lot of players. Mikhail Bridges, he's made some moves where EJ's like, well, I, w- I would have said to do this, but he did it because he's learned. You don't hear the coaching anymore from other players from EJ. EJ is still coaching DeAndre Ayton from the announcer booth, and it's year three, and that just can't continue. There are things that he just needs to figure out, and he should know what to do with the ball. And we just don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what DA I don't, is. I don't, think, I don't think he knows what it is, and that's the problem right now. It's, it's very confusing now. It's getting so confusing where a divorce will happen shortly, where you're just so lost in this relationship. You're like, I don't know who's wrong, who's right, where I'm supposed to be in life. You it's know what that means, be- though, right? Two Christmases. Two Christmases? Yeah, after the divorce, there's always two Christmases. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, that's the best part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, we'll continue to harp on DA throughout the year. I mean, unfortunately, when you're the number one pick, you're going to be uh, just kind of picked apart. There's high expectations that come with it that. Is. And I, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I don't want to get overhyped about another bad game from DA because that is two in a row. Don't get me wrong. He didn't have a great game in the first one. It was better than this one. He didn't have a great game, but he really showed flashes in the fourth quarter as he typically does. You just have to sit and wait for him to all of a sudden realize like, oh shit, I can rebound over all these guys and start grabbing down boards. But again, yeah. when you're the number one pick, you have those expectations and we're going to expect you to go out there and, you know, I, I I don't think asking for 20 and 10 from this guy is anything that's outside of the realm of uh, what should actually occur. I mean, he should be a 20 and 10 guy. And even then we're going to have problems with it because we're Suns fans and we have problems with everybody. Like I can tell you something that went wrong with every person tonight. And, you know, other than Miles Gaskin playing for the Miami Dolphins, he's the only guy who had a great night. Thank you, Miles Gaskins. I needed that for my fantasy football team. But uh, another guy who's very missed, and I see a lot of people mentioned in the chat, is uh, is Dario. You know, you got Rick77, a.k.a. Tuna. He said, feel like Dario playmaking will really help, especially as a backup five. We really don't know how much we miss Dario until he's back. And and knowing that when he does come back, he's still not going to be at 100%. He's still going to be getting his legs under him. And it's going to take a, a, you know two or three games for him to at least get in some sense of basketball shape. But even having him as a backup five, he'll go and hustle. He'll make the opposition work for those boards the way that D.A. and Damian Jones weren't doing in the first three quarters. Yeah, that he's like the missing piece. But in this kind of season... For us to have the team we have right now, everybody almost on the floor but Dario, it's very, very nice. I'm not saying a lot of teams are going through the issues that we might face in the future, but these are just like games we have to worry, like games we have to like deal with where we're missing a guy like Dario. So games we need to take care of against the Sacramento Kings, it should have happened. Yes. It didn't. It's not because we didn't have Dario. Dario will be a guy, of course, that will give you 20 to 25 really good games and maybe win five or six of them off the bench. He just might be that guy this year. But besides that, I mean, the players we have on this court right now, we should have just really rolled over the Sacramento Kings and it just didn't happen. I don't, I don't know, man. I give up. 
Two games and I'm done. I'm just joking. <laughs> Iverson vlog says I with DA, it's the hair. Get rid of the hair for DA. I never liked it. I never yeah, liked it. You said on the last pod, you're yeah, right. You know, I don't like it. He, he's Get that pro out again. He's not played well with his R. Kelly braids in the first two. So shout out to yeah. Travis on that one. Takes time with those R. Kelly braids. So um, you know, I, I do think that a couple guys did have like Jay Crowder really had a solid game again. Oh, really good game. That guy is just such a businessman, such a professional player. It's really fun to watch him play because there's no, not, not, not a lot of over emotion, not a lot of unspent energy. He focuses it all on the court, man. And he had a decent game. You know, he ended up with a total of uh, X amount of points, uh, 17 points. Yeah. Uh, seven for 13 from the field and eight boards, you know? So, I mean, he, again, is just somebody who I really think is such a solid addition to this team, don't you? Yeah, and in game one, I mean, he did not play well, but then this is the game he can put up and really help us because he just, he'll knock down those threes and do the hustle plays, and he has good positioning, too, for the boards. I mean, he can't really get up like the rest of them, but he'll he'll put his body down there and make a difference to really try to deflect the ball, maybe get an offensive rebound or even the defensive rebound, but he can really, um, he beside him and Chris Paul, just they show like their, just the way that they can actually handle themselves on the court when trying to like to draw fouls, doing things that the veterans can do, like Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, like back to back plays where they both drew fouls on Bagley. It's just like things like they know how to do, we'll try to get the team turned yeah. around. So he'll bring that a lot this year. And I love it. That's why I don't want them to mess with the lineup because the first game he didn't play very well. It's like, oh, well, how's Cam Johnson doing? He had a great game, but you don't want to put him in the lineup. You want to keep this together, this starting five. I completely agree. And you can tinker with that starting five at the back end of the game based on matchups. But having him come out and just set the tone defensively is something that uh, is really a positive for this team and something to take away. You know, it's like yeah. if if you look at the first game against the Mavericks, we went as Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson went. If you look at game two against the Kings, we went as Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson went. Okay, they combined for a total of 17 points. They combined for a total of three for 13 from downtown. And uh, who who just mentioned it in the chat here? Sorry, I'd like to give my shout-outs. Uh, this is from Royal to Real. Mikael Bridges was one for five from three. Teams will leave him open. He has to knock them down. And that's the key. He didn't knock him down this game. Nobody did. But he gets a lot of those, especially playing with that first-team offense, knowing that he is essentially the fourth option on offense behind CP3, Booker, and Ayton. He's going to get his opportunities. CP3 did a really good job in this game. About the second quarter, he really started to realize how the switches were coming at him. I don't know mm-hmm. if you noticed this. So he saw how the switches were coming, so he started to penetrate and kick. And every time he did it, somebody was wide open. Now, it was Javon Carter like three times, and he missed him. But Mikael Bridges got a couple of those, those wide-open freebies. And unfortunately, they didn't go down. But he's somebody who continued to work on that shot. It looks great, Mikael. If those are falling, good things are going to happen because he's going to have that opportunity. It's like when Steve Nash was playing for the Suns once upon a time, for those of you who remember the run, the run and gun, seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns, is he had the ability to draw defenses to him, Amari, and Amari, and leave guys wide open. And that's why the Raja Bells, the Jason Richardsons, the Quentin Richardsons, the Joe Johnsons had careers here in Phoenix because they were wide open and they knocked them down. Mikhail's primed to have that happen for him this year, knowing that he's going to be a starter with somebody who has such gravity like CP3 does on those elbows. And it's just a matter of him knocking them down. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And plus, Mikael Bridges, there's some times where he has a lane wide open. Him taking it to the hoop, it's like almost unstoppable because he's so long. He had one of those where he just split the defenders, just weaved in and out. Yeah, until he got that was a rim. great play. Yeah, I mean, he can do that basically whenever he wants. It's just whether or not he wants to. And there's a play, too, where he's wide open from three, but also a lane straight to the basket. Didn't, didn't do it. it. Yeah. Those are the things that he's just hesitant on. For some reason, I don't know why. I mean, it's just part of growing, I guess, in the NBA. But you have to learn, like, hey, just you got to take that to the rim. That's automatic, too. Even though he's wide open for three, I would rather him take the two because it might help him make the three next time. Who knows? Well, and to your point, I mean, it's funny you said that because I I pinpointed and wrote both of those plays in my notes on that. It's like Mikhail missed a three on a wide open lane. That's what I got written right here. And it's it's going to be something that is going to be there for him again, like those threes. And guess what? Those threes become even better because once you, once you're standing there wide open at the three, those guys are just going to come running at you. All you got to do is that pump fake and you're gone, man. And you're so long. Those are layups all day, Mikhail. And it's, it's something he's going to learn. And something that with CP three there and Monty and his coaching staff watching the tape with that, this young player, he's going to realize how much opportunity is truly waiting for him and how many points he left on the court tonight. Cause in game one against the Mavs, he wasn't doing that. He was hitting threes and then he was taken to the hoop. And only one time did he really take it to the hoop tonight. And it was a successful take. So all these little kind of things combined are going to equate to success for the young Mikhail. And it's just going to take proper coaching and, you know, cognitive understanding that that, lane is wide open take it man because guess what if that happens and those guys stay three feet off you then you're you're, even when you are covered you're stroking threes or at least have an opportunity to do so yeah and you know what i feel a lot better now i don't really take back a whole lot of sin in the beginning but uh it is still kind of frustrating (laughs) after a loss right going into the podcast so it is very different from uh, for us yeah it's it's new for us this year i still mean everything i said i really do actually um so um, I don't know why I'm saying it. I'm just saying I'm learning just like the Suns. You know, I'm, I'm learning that on these podcasts, I can't be too hot headed. You know, I'm surprised I didn't throw my hat against the wall or something like that. That's so. a new hat. You got it for Christmas. You don't <laughs> yeah. want to do that. Well, and I think, you know, it, it is a good point because I know that we started doing this podcast about a year ago and we would do them two or three times a week. But obviously, like most podcasts, we do them a couple days after, you know, on, on, a, on a consistent schedule. We decided over Christmas dinner this year that we were going to do this live after every game. And we love the Suns so much. We, we can't wait to talk about Suns right after the game. So why not do it? And I knew that like the first loss is going to be the toughest one because we're going to come in guns a-blazing and pissed. Hell, we beat the Mavs last time, and I came into this podcast pissed because I was so upset watching Luca for like two and a half hours of him foul-baiting. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, exactly. But, but you know what? I like to think that we are a podcast that lives in the world of realism. There's optimism. There's pessimism. I'm like a realist. Like I'm just going to tell you what I saw. I might be wrong, but I'll tell you what I saw. I'll tell you, you know, based on what I saw tonight, CP3 – Looks great. Hope he stays healthy. Hope that he we can manage his minutes appropriately. Devin Booker can score whenever he wants. He's so smooth. But again, as as Matthew mentioned, the body language is something that needs to be worked on. You know, he's doesn't have that kind of. It's almost like Kyler Murray. You know, this has been a bad day for Arizona sports. After oh yeah, as soon as they lost, I knew it was gonna be bad tonight. Yeah, I was pretty pissed. But it's the same thing with Kyler Murray. Like you look at some quarter, you look like the Lamar Jacksons, and you you look at the different quarterbacks kind of throughout the NFL, and they're they seem like really engaging guys with their teammates on the sideline. And like 
it's Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray off in the corner talking after every possession. It's like, it's not like him walking around talking with a bunch of players like Larry Fitzgerald does. And Devin Booker kind of has that same thing. It's not that he thinks he's above them. It's just, he's just kind of more of an introverted kind of guy. That's his personality. So when he's out there on the court, he gets pissed at the rest when he's not getting the calls and he's not really sitting there, you know, slapping asses and giving high fives to his teammates like CP three does as somebody who's more of that, really well-defined leader. So that's something that he needs to work on. DA needs to work on a bunch. I think we all know that he's, he has so much talent, but he's never had the aggressiveness and we're never going to see it, man. I, I think we, it's safe to say knowing going into year three, just like when Devin Booker went into year three, we knew that there was going to be a lot of things that D book needed to work on. And he worked on them and we started to see growth. I want to see that growth from DA. I want to see a, a, a shimmer of growth. I want to see that. Now don't get me wrong. His defense was great. Again, his defense, him putting his hands up and negating clean shots for the a team that was trying to live in the paint in the fourth was another positive. It's the same thing against the Mavs. He looks really good on defense, but offensively and from a, a consistent rebounding standpoint, he just doesn't have the motor, man, and that scares me. It does, but also where is the tape? Where where have we seen DA be that guy that we're expecting? So I don't know what we're trying to have him live up to, but yeah, Russell Wilson is the best example of a good body language. Yeah, he exactly. Is. He is. He's, like, he's, he's fist pumping, he's getting his team motivated, you know. Kind of yeah. do that. You know, he Booker kind of reminds me of like Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson like stomps around a lot. He shows some attitude, but he's always giving the high fives too. He just he's always just upset and looks like you know. But Clay Thompson, he's a funny guy. It seems like on the court and off the court, but his attitude is kind of reminds me of Booker. But Booker just has like the distant attitude of I'm not going to be around my teammates when they're messing up. But even though I turned the ball over seven times, you know it's their fault that DA couldn't catch that pass at the end of the game. I, I just don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah, we just need that. And I think we have that from Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul might help him. He might help um, Booker a little bit more with his attitude in the court, but maybe it's, maybe they don't care. Maybe it's just me because I just, I, I want to see it, but maybe the teammates don't care that Booker's that way. Maybe they can play with that, with, with him that way. That should be fine. But besides that, I mean, maybe I'm just overthinking it. I don't know. Yeah, I think you are a little bit, <laughs> I know. but you know, why was he pissed all game? Travis asks in the in the chat. You know, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Kendall didn't hit him back on his DM, and he was he was pretty upset. You know, uh, we 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 didn't get any DMs this time though. Uh, remember, if you're watching, right. if you Are want to scared? come on the show and be with us, and you know, come on video style, all you got to do is DM us during the show to our Twitter page at Suns Jam, and we can send you a link, and you can join if you want to ask us a question. Or if you want to just kind of give your thoughts on the game, it's something we're going to be trying out this season. So keep that in mind. Uh, you don't need good lighting. Matthew doesn't have old. it. So Dude, my it. lighting is so bad. I was like, did I forget to turn on a light? And I did. I totally did, you know? But yeah, it's like in and out. I don't know. This is the worst lighting I've ever had. And it sucks because you can't see my mustache. So it's really unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it takes fantastic lighting to see your mustache. So <laughs> um, Humble Rumble in the chat has got a good point, though. This is the second game. And it's it's unfortunate to lose, but you know what? The Suns are one and one, so we can settle down. We, you know, now that we've been doing this podcast for about forty five minutes after, right after the game went or ended, uh, you, you can settle down. The beautiful thing is we have a game tomorrow, so we can have a short memory. They, the team can come out and they can write the ship tomorrow. Now, granted, you lose tomorrow night, this is gonna be a really tough podcast to do to go up to Sacktown and lose three or lose <laughs> two. Sunday night, the Sunday scaries. No one wants to go back to work, and then the yeah. Suns lose. Listen to our 
stupid asses yeah you don't want to you know there'll be two people watching it'll be like our parents because it's just gonna it, it, it'll be frustrating if they lose but you have a chance to write the ship you know monty yeah. that's gonna be the challenge for him tonight say hey listen guys just go let's go watch the sun's jam session podcast they'll tell us everything that we did wrong and what did we do yeah. wrong we we didn't get to the line we played from the outside we didn't defend the paint we didn't uh def- grab the boards those do anything need, <laughs> no, those are the things we need to focus on well we yeah. relied on it we relied on guard play and three pointing and it just didn't happen i mean if you look at it the sun scored a total of 103 points only 33 of those came from beyond the arc okay because they made 11 from yeah. 44 they shot 44 of them i mean it's just i get it but i don't get it like you have to enforce your will on these teams you have to go down in the paint and just try to draw some fouls I mean, again, the, the free throw disparity in this game is was unbelievable to me, and you know, and this wasn't because it was bullshit fouls. I mean, the Suns had twenty three total fouls called on them. The Kings had twenty two. Okay, but if you look at total free throws in the game, the Suns were ten for thirteen, and then you had the Kings were twenty two of thirty three. They shot twenty more free throws than us, and that's it's. They're they're forcing the issue. They're going for the and ones. They're trying to get us in foul trouble, and it was working on the interior. And it's something that in two consecutive games, the Suns have not done a good job of getting to the line. And don't get me wrong, like Devin Booker got fouled on a lot of plays, and I think that's why his body language went south really quick because he was trying to force that issue, and he wasn't getting the calls that he feels he deserves because he 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 does deserve some of these because he he'll drive into the rim. You know, coming off of the elbow, running fast, he'll get bumped, jump, shoot, make the shot, and they don't call anything. Because he's so good, they don't call it. And that's frustrating. Yeah, but the rest were actually good tonight, I thought. I think DA probably would have fouled out early if they weren't, but they, they let him play this game. I think they both both ways. I don't feel like I was upset when the Kings got fouled or when the Suns got fouled or did not get the calls. I thought it was very, very evenly uh, officiated, I, which I is nice, too. which is nice to see after the Dallas Mavericks game. You know, it takes a lot to come back from that, but um, we will earn our respect. I see John Morant already saying he doesn't have any respect from the rest, so he already wants his respect going into year two. Yeah. Booker um, should have it by now. Um, I think he will hopefully. I don't know, but it is it's a lot of things we're seeing from last year that are rolling over into this year. So it's just kind of mixing and mashing, getting those things together and working on those that so that by game 10, game 12, we're not too much too worried about what we've seen last year rolling into the rest of the season. I think it's, it's going to take that long for this team to really get things going. Of course. And a lot of teams, it's the same way. Uh, unfortunately we came out, uh, yeah. A team that sh- shouldn't have consistency either. The Kings is a team we lost to. Um, I love this question from Corey Jones. What, were rotations questionable tonight? What do you think about that, Matthew? Do you think that Monty's rotations were questionable? The only thing I had questions about was I, I'm a big believer in where you have to have your starting lineup or your, your closing lineup in with five minutes left. I think Chris Paul was on the bench with three minutes left. He came back in. I don't like that. I hate that so much. I think Booker was... I think, did he start the fourth quarter, Booker? Like, he came in, like, right when the fourth quarter started. I'm pretty sure he played, like, the last 12 minutes of the game. And that's something I hate because he's so exhausted by the end. I think he needs more rest. I like these guys back in at the seven, six-minute mark with, like, a little bit of a break in the beginning of the fourth quarter. The rotation thing's always been an issue for with me with Monty. This year, I was kind of hoping to ignore it to where he would just kind of get it fixed. But those are the only two things I noticed. I mean, what about you, John? Was there something that you noticed about that? 
No, I think that campaign coming off the bench as the backup to CP3 has proven to be the right move through the first two games. Like, if this is campaign all season long, I will definitely take it. I mean, he came yeah. in off the bench and played only 15 minutes, but it had eight points, four for seven from the field, four assists, doing some playmaking, a um, couple turnovers, a couple fouls. But the way that he can get to the basket, what that does is that holds the defender, and then he can start passing. I mean, he had a great pass to Dem Booker. So seeing him come in, was something that was very positive. Javon Carter being the two that comes in to back up Booker. We saw that in game one. That's how Monty's going to play it right now. Unfortunately, he didn't execute, and he really didn't execute in game one either. So Javon's had kind of a rough start to the season. So you you, you might see something where Langston Galloway or Etwan Moore starts taking some of those Javon Carter minutes just for that reason. I think that Damon Jones is interesting. You have a... DW1707 says playing Jones over Kaminsky is questionable only because Frank provides passing the spacing. When you play Jones, the hope is you're going to have defense and blocking and somebody who can essentially run a pick and roll and, and get you some easy points. He wasn't doing anything like that today or against the Mavericks. All he's doing is fouling everybody and clogging up the paint. So I can see where DW1707 thinks that playing Kaminsky uh, over Jones might be something that the Suns want to explore. And it might, it might be something, you know, Kaminsky's been back with the team for about a week now, so obviously he needs to get reacclimated. But the nice thing is he does know the team, he doesn't know the culture, he does know Monty's playbook, and we might start to see a little bit more Frank. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more of Jalen Smith. You know, we saw a lot of Jalen Smith in Game One because of all the foul trouble, but at least he's somebody who is moving around and has the ability to shoot the ball and keep some teams honest and, and stretch the floor a little bit because this team, the the Sacramento Kings, wanted to clog the paint. That's where they wanted to live. That's where their strength was tonight against us. And we kind of played right into their hand. Again, not imposing our will, but letting them impose theirs. Mm -hmm. Jalen Smith, he's a guy that can make a play too. I think he has an opportunity almost every play to really, he can get the, the offensive rebound. He can extend a play by really just even like getting his hands in the paint or up in the air to tip a ball somewhere. Like he's that guy right now to where he's just all out. And I, I, Damian Jones just gets lost and he's a guy where he just disappears. You kind of forget he's on the court until, until he fouls somebody. Until he fouls somebody. He's a little bit smaller than I thought he would be too on the court to where the matchup with Whiteside, well, he Whiteside was just too big, which I mentioned earlier. Yeah. But Jalen Smith gets the opportunity where he can shoot the three, he can do more on the court. Frank Kaminsky, he's a great big body too. I mean, he he wasn't too bad tonight. I mean, we'll ha we're gonna have the frustrating Frank games where it's just like he's over five from three and just not really doing much on the boards. But he's also just a big body to have. But when Sarge comes back, I think it's going to clear up a lot of those issues. That's the key is once Sarge comes back, you're really going to start to see some of these rotations set into place, I feel. And yeah. unfortunately, it's the NBA. It's 2020, almost 2021. There's COVID. There's a lot of these back-to-backs. You need to have a deep team. So a team's not going to be healthy all at the same time. And once Sarich is healthy, you know, Cam Johnson might have tweaked something. Or, you know, it, it, we're never going to be at 100%. But – I think it's really showing how much Dario is needed on this team right now, what he can really do with that second unit from a big standpoint and from a playmaking standpoint. I think that he's something that the Suns desperately need just to be pesky, just to force those guys on the other, on the opposition to, to get frustrated, trying to get that board to maybe throw in an inadvertent elbow and get an extra foul to put them in foul trouble to, again, to impose our will. I think that's something we really need to think about as a team is how do we do that? Uh, so says Jay in the chat says book needs to chill. He's pressing like he's in his second year. So there you go, Matthew, that vindicates your observation on Devin Booker. Just like Booker relax, dude, relax. Like it's not game seven of the NBA finals. 
You know, you don't you don't need to get so you know lackadaisical with your teammates yet so intense with the refs and everybody else around you. So it's too much. It is. He just needs to kind of just, just like I said, man. Like Kendall, will text him after the game tonight. He'll be a lot happier. Like he probably just texted her and she didn't text him back. And it's been it was like two hours for the game, and you know he was just worrying. He's very self conscious maybe about that relationship. I don't know. I think he's just so worried about having another losing season to where if he's going to lose, he's like, oh, here we go again. I think he's really scared of that, and he just. I, I agree. He wants to win like ten in a row to start the season, but it's going to take a lot, dude. And I think really just him putting that effort on the court, body language wise, is going to go a long way. But well, and I'm he only also Dr. Needs- Matthew, <laughs> Dr. Matthew, I, 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 he also needs to find himself in in this offense because again, this is an offense where it's not necessarily going to rely on him all the time, and he needs to understand that. And I think that again, with these first two games, he's trying to get teammates involved. Because yeah. he knows that this isn't going to have to be all about him, but he's not making smart decisions with the basketball. I and mean, he's one of those people who, if you look at the advanced metrics, he has some of the most high risk passes in the NBA. He doesn't make a lot of smart decisions. Now, granted, a lot of those passes in the past have gotten to those players and they've had the ability to score. So, you know, his, his assist to turnover ratio isn't as bad as it should be. But I mean, you start this year off, man, his assistant turnover ratio. I mean, he's had what? So 15 turnovers in the first two games. That's not a good start for Booker, man. He needs to slow down, relax, run the offense, stop trying to force things, stop trying to, you know, divert the offense to, to other players, you know, maybe take some of those shots. And what always happens whenever Booker settles down and starts to take over the game, he realizes that the whole team start. You saw it in like the third quarter, the third quarter, when he started going a little run, he'd go into the lane like three guys would collapse on him. Then guys are wide open. You don't have to thread the needle on a wide open pass. And that's when he starts to get better is when he realizes that the entire team is trying to defend him. He not when he's in transition trying to, you know, throw laser pinpoint passes to Mikhail Bridges. Yep. You are right. Right on the money. So um, what else do you have, Matthew, before we close out the show on this lovely Saturday night in December in which the Suns lost by three fucking points to the Kings? Uh, I have nothing else really. I'm just really looking forward to tomorrow night and just, um, like you said, slowing the game down because a lot of the times when you watch the Suns, they remind me of the Arizona Cardinals out there really panicky for those 10 yards they try to get this like all over the place and never ends up working that's what they kind of remind me of just really like trying to get that back zit right in the middle of your back you can't reach it that's the way the Suns offense kind of was like the Arizona Cardinals so just slow it down next 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 game tomorrow night should be more simple um I hope to see um same amount of minutes but we'll see man I I don't know how they're going to spread those out and how tired they're going to be it'll be interesting well, and I'll I'll say what I, I put in my notes. The first word I put after it was all said and done, frantic. That's how the Suns played today, and so did the Cardinals. Frantic. Yeah. They're rushing things. They're, they're, they're getting too far ahead of themselves. DA, he, like I said, when he catches the ball, he's not catching the ball because he's already looking up at the rim, thinking about what he's going to do next. He's not coming to the ball. You look at the way that Devin Booker's throwing the ball out of bounds and turning the ball over. The only guy who didn't play frantic tonight was CP3. Really great game, yeah. twenty-two and twelve from our, you know, our point god. That's what you want. Those are the things that are going to equate to success eventually. What Chris Paul needs to do tonight is take his teammates around him and just say, "Hey, relax. Let's slow it down. We've got this. It's not that hard." Especially when you play a team like the Kings, man, it's not that hard. We are more talented than the Sacramento Kings easily, and we shouldn't have lost tonight. But you know what? It happens. You you lose some games. Again, you don't have to linger on this loss very long, considering that the teams play again tomorrow. I believe it's a seven o'clock game 
or six thirty, seven o'clock, early seven game. O'clock. Finally. Okay, finally, yeah. And then we go right back to like a late game with the Pelicans on Tuesday night at like eight eight thirty. Is that start? So we'll be up really late that night. But <laughs> uh, but to you know, for all of the people who are joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, we thank you. If you're listening to this podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network, please rate, subscribe, and review in an effort to get all of that quality Suns content that you not only want and need but you love you can get both the sun's jam session and fan in the flames on the bright side of the sun podcast network you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter and remember we'll be going live right here after every game so please tell your friends show up and again if you want to be on the show simply dm us on twitter at sun's jam and let us know if you have a question or if you want to sh- want to share your point of view on the game, and we can bring you on. So, looking forward to engaging with our the Suns Jamster listeners a little bit more uh, as the as the year progresses. But uh, this podcast is over because that game is over, and I'm over it. So, Suns are one and one playing Sacramento again tomorrow. All right, everyone, piss off and love your family. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>